0: All right, kiddos, I need your help this morning. Little kiddos, older kiddos, adult kiddos, we're going to talk about some things this morning, some things we really, probably the, uh, we have quite a disdain for if we were to be honest, and let's just go ahead and talk about the rules you have rules wherever you do life, whatever circumstance you find yourself in. Most of the time, there are rules that that uh, oversee that. Uh, if if any of you are, are friends of mine or, or acquaintances of mine, you know that I am a fan of the University of Texas Longhorns. <laughs> And yesterday was a hard day for the University of Texas Longhorns as we fell to our rival, the oh, well, you know who. Um, and, and I would not say that the rules played against us um, in some circumstances, but there were times when we might have felt as if a flag was flown or thrown and, and it didn't quite fit the situation we had hoped for. We find ourselves, right, guys, if you've played sports or you've played games at home, there are rules that govern govern play there are rules that govern how things you guys you're going to be getting a driver's license soon right and there is a whole book of rules that you will likely never use while on the road because in Houston County you're not going to come to a two-way intersecting with a three-way with a yield sign and a four-way stop there's just so much in there that when you're studying it seems like this doesn't apply at all what am I going to do with a railroad crossing we don't have those in Houston County anymore right but we have got these rules that we have to be aware of. So you talk to me for a minute. I'm interested here. what are some of the rules in your life that you don't care for too much? What are some house rules in your house? What are some rules in your home that, uh, well, if your parents are here, you may not like disagree publicly, but just what are some of the rules that are at play in your houses? I have my own children over here, and I see them whispering, so I'm a little nervous. Speak up. Or maybe from when you were a kid, adults, what were some rules in your house? When I was a kid, I had to finish my plate. Had to finish the plate. That's right. Mama put it there. You better clean it up. That's right. Clean plate club. That's right. What else? What were some rules? We had a curfew when I was a kid, Uh, a teenager, especially when I started hanging out outside of the house. And it was okay at times if I were going to be late for that curfew as long as I called plenty of time ahead, right? Otherwise, I better have my tail in the house by curfew time, right? Because that was the established order. What are some rules in your house, Trace? Take your shoes off. Take your shoes off. Don't track that garbage into the house. That's right. Towns, what about y'all's place? you Y'all got any rules? No rules at Garrett's house, huh? No, I'm just kidding. Don't tear the labels off the cans. Listen, you're right. Don't tear the labels off the cans in the, in, <laughs> in the cabinets. I'll pay for that. Someday I'm sure of it. I'm sure of that. Reed and Davis, what are some rules at your house? Vacuum. Vacuum. Gotta vacuum. Gotta keep it clean, right? Don't burp at the table. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. And who made Rule anyways, that's absurd. That compliments to the chef, right? No, I'm just kidding. Mama's sitting right there. You better, you better listen. Don't, but they've got to have some manners, right? Got to have some manners. Any other, Kieran? Do y'all have any rules at your house? Uh, Are there any rules for Baker at your house? Is Baker allowed on the couch? Yes. No, Baker's not allowed on the couch. On the couch. What's that? <laughs> he gets on the couch anyways. The couch. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he pees. That's no good. There are reasons we have some rules. Any weird rules at our house, girls? Nothing out of the ordinary? No. What about playing games? You ever played a game with somebody, and then you played it somewhere else, and the rules are just slightly different? We call them house rules, and sometimes we play certain card games, and I didn't know I have been educated in the ways of UNO in the last six months, and I thought for sure my girls were pulling one over on me. How many of you knew that you could stack draw twos? I had no clue that you could stack a draw two as long as you had one. You could keep stacking them, and the person down the line that finally doesn't have one can, will have to draw as many twos as are there. But can you stack draw fours? Yeah. Ooh, can you? Is that a house rule or is that in the rules? Ah, we don't know. I don't know. Can you reverse a reverse? Yes, of course. But can you stack reverses? No, that's not a thing. We play, how about in Monopoly? How many of y'all have ever played that horrible, awful, never ending, but so wonderful game of Monopoly? How much money do you start with at the beginning of the game? I don't know either. Because everywhere I've ever played the game, it's different. People have house rules to, 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 to try to either shape it in their favor or, or really, if you're playing Monopoly, to expedite the process. Can we all start with an extra five grand just to get going? You know what I'm saying? That's wonderful. How many video games do you guys play where you can go into the game settings and change... The pace of play, the types of points that are scored, uh, just different things about. I know in like back when we played Mario Kart, you could change what the computer's weapons were allowed to be used or whatever. Like you could change all sorts of things about a game to to fit your style of play. Am I right? You could change the rules that were initially given for your benefit. Does that feel? awkward? Could you imagine the Texas Longhorns showing up to play the University of Tennessee someday and being like, hey, hey, hey so here, in Texas at least, we don't, we don't give 15 yards for a face mask. It's part, of the, it's part of the game. If you can't take your face mask getting yanked on, you need to go somewhere. Right? No, that's a rule. That's a rule that's everywhere. But true story. When I played football in Texas growing up, in the state of Texas, you could cut linebackers. Now, not a chop block where you have one guy high and one guy low. That's illegal everywhere. But in Texas, we were taught on a lot of plays, especially from the center position, to run out to take an angle on the Mike linebacker and to dive at his leading knee so that he was cut off. Because he's watching the ball. He's not paying attention to me. We were taught to cut linebackers, and I loved it. It was one of my favorite things to do. But in Clovis, New Mexico just across the border, cutting linebackers was against the rules. In their state hand, for whatever reason, they changed the rules. So whenever we would go play in in Clovis, New Mexico, we couldn't cut linebackers, and it was super frustrating because that was a big part of our offense is how we got the ball outside, it's how we uh, mitigated that middle linebacker from playing. But when Clovis came to Amarillo, (laughs) we had a time. Because we could stop doing what we weren't supposed to do in Clovis sometimes. But it's awful hard to train a Mike Linebacker to watch out for a center cutting his, offside, or his leading knee when he never has to deal with that in New Mexico. And it's funny to me how the, the world we live in and, and the constant change of what's right and what's wrong and, and what is morality and, and how is what's good for me is, is good for me, right? That's kind of the world we, we've, we've adapted into is the rules aren't always the same everywhere. Trace, you got to take your shoes off at home. You ever come to my house? I've never once asked you to kick the shoes off. That's probably just because I have not made that rule in my house. We try to, but it's not a hard and fast kick the shoes off. You go someplace else and you're not allowed to burp at the... Maybe you go to somebody else's house and they're burping at the table. And you're like, what are you doing, you Neanderthal? Right? My mother is going to come over here and take you outside because this is... We do not burp at the table. But oh, the freedom when you're hanging out for a minute. And that's not the rule in that house. And you get to let one go, huh? You see that there's, there's confusion. How do I do life? How do I, how do I navigate what's right and wrong in a world where the moral code is constantly shifting? It's tough. It's tough. Today, we're going to read what I consider to be a very familiar passage of scripture. Our lectionary series takes us into Exodus chapter 20. Guys and girls, did you know that there's a statue out here in Church of the Nazarene? Did you know that there's a statue? Does anybody know what that statue is of? Where's it at and what is it of? Jace, you've not been here very long. Picking on the intern this morning, did you know there's a statue on our church property? You didn't know. Trace, do you know where the statue is? You've been raised here your whole life. Noel, what is it? Tell your big brother. You like when you're it's right when you're pulling in, right? It's a big what? There's the Ten Commandments. It also has John 3:16 on the bottom. But we have a monument, a statue, a, a, a stone writing in the front of our property, essentially that says, this is who we are, and it matters to us. Would you stand with me as we turn to Exodus chapter 20, and we jump into... Well, the rules. Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, and God spoke all of these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth below or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them and worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand. And generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keeping it by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, in the sea and in, and all that is in them but he rested on the seventh day therefore the lord blessed the sabbath day and made it holy honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the lord your god is giving you you shall not murder you shall not commit adultery you shall not steal you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear and they stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that you have given us some parameters by which we can find a center in this life, a way that we can honor you and live in peace and harmony with you and with others. We pray that you would hear, help us to hear you today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. The Ten Commandments are given never with the thought that one might earn heaven by obeying these commands perfectly or adequately. Um, It is so much more of a guardrail, uh, keeping humanity on a moral path. It's meant to be a mirror to show us our moral failures and our need for a savior. It is a guide showing us the heart and desire of God for his people. We struggle as humanity with rules because we are also taught from the time we're very young to be autonomous. We're taught that I am supposed to grow and become an individual and to be strong and to be uh, in control of my own world. We're, we're taught that, that we are to do what is best for us. And so sometimes when we feel that there are rules and, and boundaries and guidelines imposed upon us, that there's almost this sense of like, I've got to push against them because I am, I am my own. Right. And we have God here after having brought his people out of slavery, out of Egypt, now committing to a relationship with his people, saying, I am your God and you are my people and you will live within these boundaries. He didn't lay these boundaries and these rules and these commandments on them while they were in slavery in Egypt. It was only once they had come and committed to each other that God said, that's why in your house you have rules that are in your house and the the rules for my house are for my house. My house rules don't necessarily apply to Noel. Unless no one's staying at my house for a period of time, right? My house rules are, are not meant for the kid down the street or, or or because my house is is my house rules are set and established. They're, they're formatted for my people because of my great love for my family, my hopes and my dreams for them. And in the same way, God has given us these 10 commandments out of love, because he knows us. He knows his hopes and his dreams and his plans for us and for his people, and he knew that he could not just allow them to, to decide for themselves for eternity what was right and what was wrong, because left to our own devices, we can be kind of squirrely, right? Left to our own devices we may not see the consequences on the other side of each action. And so God, in his great grace, laid out for us, not because he wants to just hold us to some measure and, and, and constantly weigh us against it and constantly point out all the ways that we're flawed and that we miss it. Notice, it hit me as I'm reading, like he is saying, do not murder, to Moses, the murderer, right? But this is not a law that he has wagered on Moses prior to Moses' relationship. These, the, the, these commandments are, are laid out in such simple terms for the every man, for this was not some great, deep theological work that, that was meant not to be understood, but processed by theologians throughout time. And do we really know what God meant by, by "do not murder? He meant don't murder." <laughs> right? He, he means don't, don't steal and don't kill and don't commit adultery and don't do these things and, because he knows what's on the other side. How many of you have ever raised a puppy? Have you ever raised a puppy? You ever had a dog? Yeah. Yeah. Puppies are dumb. They're adorable. I love them. They will run straight into the street if an acorn falls or a ball rolls out And it doesn't matter how many times you yell when they're puppies So we keep them in a fence, right? Do I keep my puppy in a fence because I am mad at my puppy No, It's because I love it, right? Do I keep my puppy on a leash because I just I don't trust it and I don't want it No, I love my puppy. I love my children. So I tell them not to play in the street, right? And when that puppy is older and grown accustomed to my voice, when that puppy has learned of my love for it and my provision for it, then that puppy is much more likely to return to my side when I see it wandering, when I call its name. But it has to understand for a while that there are certain boundaries, correct? and if we were to continue making house rules and changing what god says is moral and right and okay if we are constantly shifting that moral center based on our our own feelings and opinions and and what we think is good for us in a moment then we're discrediting the great great the great grace and the great love for god and what he has or what he has Chosen for us. We change rules in games. We create house rules because it's our benefit. We want to be able to change the rules. We want to format that video game so that it it works to my playing style. We we change the house rules of certain things because we want to expedite the game or make sure that we, we get a certain place in a certain amount of time. And I wonder sometimes if there are ways that we have house ruled the Ten Commandments, the law of God. Are there ways in which that we've made some things okay? to feel better about the fact that we don't wanna to live to his standard in certain places. And we typically don't press back much on thou shall not kill, right? I mean, unless we get to, into situations where we're talking about wartime and and times of great stress and, man, uh, what happens when the world falls apart and I have things that my neighbor is in need of? What do I do with that thou shalt not kill? What do I do with I need to protect mine and my people and my, my family? What point does one life become more valuable than another. We don't typically push back on some of those. In the late 1980s, media mogul Ted Turner suggested replacing the Ten Commandments. Can you believe that? So he wanted to have his own 10 voluntary initiatives. And Turner's list is conspicuous in its failure to mention God or religion in any way. So bear with me for a minute. These are Ted Turner's, what did he call them? His, uh, his voluntary initiatives, if you would. I promise to, lo- to have love and respect for the planet Earth and living things thereon, especially my fellow species, humankind. I promise to treat all persons everywhere with dignity, respect, and friendliness. Three, I promise to have no more than two children, or no more than my nation suggests. Sorry, Chloe. Um, <laughs> Promise to use my best efforts to save what is left of our natural world in an untouched state, and to restore damaged or destroyed areas where practical. I pledge to use as little non-renewable resources as possible. I plan to—I pledge to use as little toxic chemicals, pesticides, and other poisons as possible, and to work for their reduction by others. I promise to contribute to those less fortunate than myself to help be, to help them become self-sufficient and enjoy the benefits of a decent life, including clean air and water, adequate food, and health care housing, education, and individual rights. I reject the use of force, in particular military force, and back United Nations arbitration of international disputes. I support the total elimination of all nuclear, chemical, biological weapons of mass destruction, and I support the United Nations and its efforts to collectively improve the conditions of this planet. There is. Mention of protecting the earth, working for and caring for, or working for peace and caring for others. There are some things pledged here that would absolutely um, be decent thoughts as it relates to being a morally good human being, but it completely disregards the role and position of God in our lives, and it is obvious to see so many of Ted Turner's personal views and insights uh, ingrained into all of it, right? We're not meant to create our own moral code around our own personal opinions, but that's where we are in the world. That's this lack of recognition of who God is or his proper place of authority in our life becomes problematic. We live in a world that says, I alone determine what is morally correct for me. I have had this conversation multiple times over the years with teenagers, just where does the idea of right and wrong come from? And how can one person say, what is right for me is, is wrong for you or, or vice versa. Where does the idea, they, they want to say, they want to say that there is no baseline, that there is no moral absolutes. And can you imagine a world where there is no moral absolute, where killing, and I'm just going to stick down, it's easy, that's right, to say that killing is subjective, like you can, it, killing is wrong to me because, well, for me, God says I shouldn't kill right? But you might be able to say differently because of some set of circumstances in your world in your life to say that there is no moral absolute. Even if in hard times I'm pressed to a place where I have no choice and I have to choose between my family and somebody else that chooses to do evil or harm to me, I may have to make a a hard choice and I may have to willingly do what I know scripture commands me not to do. And that's a tough place to be. But in that moment, I still can't say. That God is wrong to say murder is wrong. And there I think in lies we can we can navigate the conversation. Well, where is murder and where is self-defense and, and all of these things, right? But for somebody to just it feels it feels odd to think that somebody could just say, Well, I just don't think murder's wrong at all. And that's ludicrous, right? But we do it with so many other areas of these Ten Commandments, maybe not even knowingly. We don't ever really press back on on some of those things. But when we look at the rest of these 10 Commandments, and we we think about why they're given, and how they shape us, God has given us this code, this moral direction, so that we can be in right relationship with Him and with others. We look at these 10 Commandments, God's given to His people out of love, so that we can be in relationship with God and others. We're built to be in relationship with God and others. And we don't, when we don't keep God first in our lives, that's hindering our relationship with him. When we build our lives around idols and take the blessings of God and lay them at the feet of cultural idols of relationships and status and wealth and power or position, we've made an idol and we are hurting our relationship with God. When we don't take time to rest on a Sabbath and remember God's goodness to us, we hinder our relationship with God and our families, and we neglect being together with God's people, we do ourselves a great disservice. When we still kill, lie, when we commit adultery, when we dishonor our parents and covet anything that our neighbor has, we are breaking down the relationships that we're meant to have with our neighbors. Because I I cannot be a liar and maintain relationship with that person that I've lied to or lied about, right? I cannot be—I cannot covet my neighbor's belongings because in my heart I will grow in contempt for them. And I can't—how can I win my neighbor to a relationship with Jesus if I covet them and I have contempt for them in my heart? Coveting distorts the way I perceive my neighbor and myself. Paul reminds us often that we are not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. And when I'm coveting my neighbor's wealth, possessions, or position, then I'm often thinking about how I deserve those things. I should have that. I have worked hard. I can do these things. Why did he get the raise? Why did he get the position? Well, all these things begin to well up in me that is not biblical relationship that Jesus is calling us to with that person? Is that correct? Y'all follow what I'm saying? Y'all follow what I'm saying? When asked in the New Testament what the two greatest commands are, what does Jesus say? To love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And the Ten Commandments just really help flesh that out a bit right? And we know that the the early church, the the, the Pharisees, and then they took those ten laws of Moses, and they created a gazillion laws. Is it 622? Is that right, Dad? There's a number. It's like 622 laws. They took the Ten Commandments and flushed them down into 622 different ways that those laws applied to their life. And Jesus was quoted saying, like, I didn't come to abolish the law and get rid of that. I came to fulfill it, right? So in New Testament, we find so often people to day struggle with faith in God because they don't want to have the rules levied on their life. But if we can come to a place of understanding that these commandments and and these guidelines for life come from a place of love and a place of hope that he knows what's on the other side of these things. Some of these commandments come with promises and some of them come with absolute consequences. If we can trust our God in all of it, to be the one that loves and leads us, then we can follow him more closely. This last week, uh, I had an opportunity to travel to Illinois with a friend of mine to stay at another buddy's house and we were deer hunting together for a few days. And on the last morning, we were walking into a location that I had not yet been to. It was kind of a last ditch effort. Uh, I didn't, I saw deer on the last night. It it was terrible. Um, (laughs) But we were traveling into this place. We parked in a new location we hadn't parked in before, and we were walking in. And in the field with the moon out, you could see pretty well we were walking in some really high grasses along a cornfield and some CRP that was nine foot tall. It was just we were walking a very narrow path. But as we left the, the field's edge and entered the woods, it was complete darkness. And for a guy who had never been there, it was imperative that I stayed as close to my buddy as possible because he knew the ground. He hunted it often. I watched everywhere he stepped, and I stepped. I watched where he placed his feet so that there were downed trees, and some of those downed trees were under overgrown grass, and you just had to be paying attention. And I was following so close. Harold and I were headed to the same stand. We were going to sit the last morning in a blind that I had moved into this other location the day prior. But my other buddy, jeremy was hunting a stand he had hunted a couple of times that week but we had never gone in this direction and in the dark of the night or the dark of the morning pitch black even with a little flashlight held down to the to the road at a certain point he decided to veer off the path he decided he was gonna he knew where the he knew where he was going he knew where he needed to be because he was going to a different place than us and so he started out off the trail to look for his stand in the dark and it wasn't until we got back together after the hunt that he told me he said hey uh y'all I spent <laughs> I spent an extra 10 minutes walking in circles around the wood I ended up all the way back here here by the CRP he said because I just completely missed it he chose in a moment of darkness to step out from behind the guy who absolutely knew where he was going because he thought he knew where he was and what was best for him and he stepped off the trail and out into the darkness, and he ended up wandering for an extra, said 10, but I know Jeremy was probably a little longer than that. Ultimately, when the daylight got enough and he found what he was looking for, he was able to get settled. But how much quicker his journey could have been if he would just stayed tight to the trail, how much easier of a walk to be alongside the other two of us in the dark, headed in the right direction. Friends, my prayer for us this morning is that the Holy Spirit would speak to us to show us the places and the spaces in our life where we might be house ruling God's design plan for us, where maybe there's idols present, where maybe there's covetousness in our hearts. Holy Spirit kicked me in the teeth with that one this week, all right? Would never stand up here and preach to you something that the Lord hasn't dealt with me on. Are there places and spaces in our world where we've tried to press on and lean on and shift the rules to play in our advantage, to justify our actions? Have we headed off the path into the darkness a little bit because we thought we knew what was right for us. And maybe today, the Lord wants to redirect our eyes to recognize his goodness and his grace that establish these guide rails for our life, not out of punishment, not to hold us back, but so that we can have the sweetest, most whole approach to a life in Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you this morning. We're thankful for who you are and all that you have done to create a life for us. Lord, would you help us to trust you more? to lean in to your goodness and grace, to trust the ways that you have established for us to walk so that we might find favor in your eyes, so that we would know the blessings of being on the right path. We'll give you the glory and the praise in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.